What happens when a colleague calls your clinic requesting to borrow something from your inventory? How do you charge for that? And what happens if you find out that the other clinic is receiving a significant discount on those materials? This week, we want to talk about the complexities of inventory and pricing and swapping on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And a topic that we've touched on but haven't taken a deep dive into is how do we handle requests from colleagues for medications, supplies, materials, anything like that? And more importantly, how do we charge? And what happens if you find out that what you're being charged for these drugs and materials is significantly less than your competitor. This week, we want to explore all of that and more on the Veterinary Viewfinder. But before we do all of that stuff, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, this is one of those conversations that was really sparked by a situation, a scenario that was brought to your attention. So why don't we start by sharing that with the Viewfinders? So I was reading a little bit of uh, a conversation. I, I was I was uh, minding somebody else's business in a little conversation and <laughs> and and got overheard some some thought processes about the cost of medications after a swap like we're talking about occurred. Okay, okay so right. it was a hey we're out of this could we borrow some yeah no problem cool thanks what do I owe you. Let me look and see what we pay for that. X, Y, Z. This is what we pay. Gasp. Faint. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, no. Right. They're, how, they're paying like, I don't, you know, a, a very, like a fraction, right, of what right. this other clinic is. And, I, and it wasn't, it was sort of like a bigger conversation at that point of then of like, I didn't even realize this was a thing. And are we running mom and pops out if the big box guys are getting the bigger discount? And how is that fair? And what is ethical and what is legal? And so it kind of opened this bigger box of, oh no, a secret got let out. And we, that, right, that. And then, and then on top of that, the consequences of kind of loaning and borrowing and swapping and going back and forth. Um, so I was like, you know, I had never really thought about that. I know. I can negotiate deals. If I buy this many vaccines, they might throw in some free. If I, you know, blood work based on how much we do and volume and those types of things. I was always aware of cost and pricing differences there, but I guess I didn't really realize the higher level of cost differences and um, who's getting charged for what and why and how that affects us on, you know, when we talk about everything's going corporate and people can't compete in X, Y, and Z. Is, is, this a, is this a big contributing factor? Yeah, it really is an interesting conversation. So the first thing I'm going to tell you, viewfinders, if you're inventory person, your manager, your owner, whomever, yourself that has to handle this, if you're not using some of these price comparison tools, and there's several of them available, and we're not here to recommend anyone specifically, but you know, I would definitely make sure that you're using some of those online tools to make sure that your pricing, the, the prices that you are paying for 
medication, supplies, whatever, is in line with, you know, what it should be. Because sometimes if you have no idea of what the going rate is out there, suddenly if you're confronted with a situation like Becky was hearing about, uh, you're going to be like, oh, wow, that's not fair at all. So definitely there are some cost comparison tools out there that I think do a great job. But having said that, Becky, even if you use these tools, you still might encounter some kind of outlier situation like this. And and the first thing I want to ask you, Becky, is how did this person did, did they do anything? Did they say like, hey, who's your distributor? Or how did you finagle that great deal? Did they did they take it further or did they just kind of sit back and go, uh-oh, this is on me? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a slow burn. It right. was, you know, because at, <laughs> at first it was kind of like, huh. And then I, I think there was a conversation that was like, where are you getting it at that price? Because I right. think that was the automatic response was, oh, shoot, I need to be getting it from, you know, right. uh, distributor X versus distributor Y then. And then it, and it turned out to be the same distributor. And that was sort of where I think they were like, okay, I get it because they buy more. And and it's sort of that Walmart idea, right? right? Or target or not sponsored and don't sue us. I'm just saying it's, it's like, we know that the bulk is where, you know, even when you, you people grocery shop for bulk because it's a better deal and whatever. We know that, but oof, when we think about clinics who say things like we're barely making ends meet or we can't afford raises or, you know, profitability and things like that, it's it, it probably was a bit of a gut punch to say, like, I'm the little guy. And because I'm the little guy, it's even harder for me. Wow. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right. And so scale comes into play here, guys. So, I mean, obviously clinics that order more are going to be given preferred pricing and so forth. But this is where I'm also going to shamelessly promote one of my businesses, which is, you know, Vertical Vet. Uh, So if you're an independent vet clinic and you're not a member of a group purchasing organization, a GPO, uh, Becky, they need to. So like what really, in essence, what we do at Vertical Vet and other GPOs, because there are several good ones out there as well. But we do bargaining on your behalf. So see, we can take our over 1,400 clinics and go to one of these products or medications or whatever and say, hey, we represent 1,400 veterinary clinics. Give us the best deal. So make sure that you're participating in those kinds of opportunities, Becky, because again, you just don't know the, the savings that you're missing until you actually go out there and explore it. Well, I think that was the importance of this conversation was when you know better, do better. And so I'm, I'm out there saying to my distributors now, metaphorically, right? Because I work from home and don't stock my house with drugs, DEA, just so you know, um, But metaphorically saying, can I get a better deal on this? Is there a better price if I went to another clinic in town and we purchased twice as much together and divided it? Would that be a way for us to get a better deal? Is there something we can do to leverage this opportunity, to lean into it, to um, join them instead of beat them? Because we know that that's not an option. And just it, it made me think about how from the management perspective, right, and from the profitability of the practice how can we start to be even more creative and have these conversations we maybe didn't even know we, we could or should have. But then also it kind of, there is a part of me that feels disappointed and sad that this is a conversation that would have to be had, right. you know, Good point. and how much of that is legal and ethical and allowed. And really at what point when we're talking about fractions of a cent, you know, how, how much are we really talking And how much is it really costing? Because it feels like it could be costing the little guy a lot of money. 
Yeah, and it really could be. And again, you know, guys, this is why you've got to take control of this stuff. I mean, I think long gone are the days where you really could just go in and say, hey, Joe, my trusted distributor for the past 20 years, make sure I'm getting the best deal on X, Y, and Z. And they did, right? I think now it's just a bigger, different industry. And so we have to make sure that we are doing our due diligence using these cost comparison tools would be my first step and recommendation. The second is to join a GPO or group purchasing organization like Vertical Vet or others to say, hey, you know, uh, maybe we can collectively bargain and get better deals and so forth. So Becky, I mean, that part of the conversation actually is important, but that wasn't the most intriguing part because what really sparked that uh, out of this thing was Becky and I had a conversation then about, you know, how do we handle these kinds of requests? Like what, what, what do we do? And, and I think one of the first things that I asked Becky was, okay, Becky, you know, I had this situation happen in my clinic where a, a competing clinic, and we're just going to use competing to, to designate, this is somebody that I felt like was in my proximity, right? We were competing for clients. Let's say that two things, two scenarios happen. Number one, what happens if they're out of a medication or some supply that a pet parent needs? How do we work across those lines, right? So you can go get it right now if you just drive 15 minutes that way. Or do we not ever offer that? And then the second scenario, Becky, is what about if it's your dog, right? You're an employee of this hospital and you either don't carry it or you're out of it. Do you ever call the the clinic down the road and say, hey, you know, Becky needs this medication for her pet. Yeah, Becky. So the first situation, how do you how do you think that's handled? Do you think vets ever say, you know, let me call and see if I can find this for you quicker? Oh, no. Wait. Yes, they do it, but that's not how they say it. So oh, they, I don't okay. think they say, hey, let me call my neighbor vet because then the client will say, can I just run over there and get it? Mm-hmm. They'll say... Hey, we're out of this. Call over to such and such animal hospital and see if they'll loan us 30 pills. Right. And then either stall with the client or I don't I don't know if it's a <laughs> right. situation where the client's sitting there waiting on it. Um, you know, but in my experience, it's definitely you don't tell the client you have to borrow the product or you have to get it somewhere else. Uh, I think it's it's an internal thing. Right. And, and Becky, I can tell you from personal experience where I've encountered this exact situation is kind of for emergency type drugs, right? You know, so something that we needed like to push IV or whatever, and we didn't have it. So we would, we would get out on the phone and say to all, you know, our closest clinics and say, Hey, do you, have you got any of this? Can we borrow that? So I think that even though at first you may say we would never do that, there's probably situations where you have done it and would continue to do it. And honestly, I think it would benefit your pet patient, right? So, you know, I think the first thing I like to say is we do need to establish lines of communication so that if you are caught in a situation like that, where a dog or cat under your care or horse or whatever, and it needs immediate medical attention and you don't have that drug, but somebody in your area does that somehow you can send an employee over to get Get it. Okay. So Becky, back to this though, the client situation. I love the fact that you said we could stall or whatever, but, but just getting back to the, the whole, you know, do, do we ever try to work with other vet clinics in sort of a non-competitive fashion, like saying we don't carry that particular brand of food or whatever, but I do believe that XYZ vet clinic does. And the reason I mentioned this, Becky, is because is it better to keep it within a vet clinic or should we try to say, go check on, on online on Chewy where you could potentially lose all of your med cells and food cells? You, you get where I'm, you see where I'm going with that? I do. I do. So a couple things. Yeah, I definitely know internally we've done the swappy borrow. Hey, we're out of this. I think about things more like... Um, 
oh no, we're almost out of lepto and I know they're not going to get here for four more days and we right. need two. Do yep. you think so-and-so would give it so that when yep. it comes in, we'll just replace them or right. could we go buy them X, Y, Z, right? So it's usually when we know something is coming and we can replace it. Um, and then you get into the situations where you've got, you know, like... um supply and demand issues and then <laughs> and then we're you know selling our souls to try to to right. swap back and forth and and th- those are the reasons i think it is incredibly important to have such and such and so and so on your call list to say yeah, right. we don't carry royal canaan but i know they do but I, at that point i think then we are sending the client over there because there is a trust relationship i think that there is this funny feeling this weird spot about a client going through another clinic's doors and trying to quote unquote prevent that at all costs kind of thing by right. like you said, Hey, can we run over and pick up this bag of food and we'll bring it back and we'll, we'll give it to her and, and trying to keep it within the vet space versus referring them out, I think is something that is probably not happening as much anymore. And I think it did for a while, but I think it's sort of one of those feelings of it's everywhere and they know they can get it. And it's becoming almost a second language. Like, Oh, I can just get it on Chewy. If you don't have it, I'll just get it on Chewy. Don't even bother making that call anymore because these distributors have made it that convenient for them. So it, that brings in a whole nother layer of challenge in, in our own inventory stock. And I think it, sets us up to end up in these situations even more frequently. Right. Okay. So here, here's where I'm just going to summarize viewfinders real quick. So first and foremost, for pricing, make sure you're using a price comparison tool, something like that. There's there's several good ones. Make sure you're part of a GPO so you can get best practice, best prices for your practice. Because again, if you're an independently owned clinic, you don't have the scale of being part of a larger corporate entity. The second thing is establish lines of communication between other clinics. Because if you do get pinched by needing an emergency drug, you really want to have a, a collegiate relationship with the closest clinic. Say, hey, guys, you got any of this? We need it now. We'll run down and get it. So you really do want to do that. Yeah. The the final thing here, <laughs> Becky, getting back to this, is you need to have an online store. I mean, I I have yeah. personally been saying this for over 20 years, but I still run into vet clinics, Becky, that don't offer it, right? Or they make it really hard. And so today it is incredibly easy. So many different services, distributors do this, right? They'll just make a a little landing page for your vet clinic so that instead of referring them to A, another clinic, or B, online, Chewy, Amazon, whatever, like Becky said, everybody knows it's there anyway. If you just at least say, hey, did you know you can order all this stuff from us at the same price or hopefully a competitive price, then that is going to really help save you uh, revenue and clients probably. So Becky, again, I just, I'm still frustrated that vet, not all vets have widely embraced this fact, you know, that you can have a, an online store that you really don't have to do much with. And, and you know, Becky, I, I will encounter vets, you know, because again, at Vertical Vet, we we offer a lot of these services and, and they'll say, yeah, but I can get a better margin doing it this way or that way. And it's like, I don't care as long as you do it, right? And as long as it's easy. But but if you're trying to save a nickel and it's a clunky looking interface, let me tell you, Becky, today's pet parents, they will not tolerate like a, a wonky looking website, right? It's like they say there's something like a three click maximum that a person will do to basically do anything. And if it's more than three clicks, they're not they're not participating anymore. And I'm like, yeah, I, I feel and I'm I'm throwing that number out there as one I'm pretty sure I read, but it's not very much. And I right. think that that's an important thing to focus on. And you're right. Every, everyone wants to do things online. They want automation. And it's something we need to do, like you said, to have to be... Uh, 
uh, in front of it. God, heaven right. forbid you hear me <laughs> say that again, but to be in front of it. And because inventory costs you money, you've just got it sitting there on a shelf. Um, but then we get into these situations where we really need something we don't have or supply and demand is out of our control. Okay, so Becky, I'm going to throw one different scenario that I personally encountered a long time ago, uh, and I want to get your read on it because it's it's the same thing that we you talked about in your example, but this is a slightly different twist. And it goes like this, same situation, we're out of something for an employee and we'd like to do a swap or whatever, right? So somehow we're just swapping out whatever, and we realize, oh, wow, there's a price mismatch here. And suddenly at your vet clinic, so the one that's requesting it, you're questioning your pricing strategy, right? So now your employee, your office manager, your receptionist, whoever's making that call, they're going, wait, we are either way overcharging relative to our competitor, right? Mm-hmm. Or we're way undercharging. So Becky, I mean, you see where I'm getting, this is an, some unexpected intel or insight into pricing, you know, and I, I would say, you know, have you ever encountered that? Because I I personally, I'll, and I'll tell you the exact scenario was we, uh, we ha- there was a, a competitor a close by clinic and they were out of some medication that they needed for an employee's dog. And we gave it to them and we said, you know, we'll just give it to you at cost. And this lady was like, Oh my gosh, how, how can you guys do it at that? That's, you know, that's, that's way, way less than we do. And, 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 and I remember it was an uncomfortable conversation, right. With our receptionist. Cause she's like, I, I don't know. We're just giving it to you. <laughs> what we, you know, so how, any insight on like how you can handle that? Or, I mean, should you prepare your team? Should you somehow control who actually talks about these prices? I mean, is, could there be any blowback on your clinic? Hopefully that made some sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And I think, again, this is, I think where things get like, this, these are the under the table, behind the scenes conversations. This is, I have fully participated in, um, dividing up clinic phone numbers and then everybody just calls like from their cell phones to right, ask right. how much vaccines are. Right. Yep. You know, and we're, we're not trying to enter into no. antitrust, but everyone's a little scared to be priced out of someone else. Right. Um, so yeah, I've definitely had that happen. And again, like number one, I think it's great that it goes through our CSRs because they can sort of say, I have no idea. That's above right. my pay grade. Have a great <laughs> right. day. I think right. the problem is the follow up conversation or it's sort of, uh, an income exchange here, right? So like, if you're giving me, like all of a sudden now you're giving me something at cost, that's what it costs you. It costs me twice as much. And right. now it's a, it's kind of a weird situation. Yeah. So what happens when you call me and you need to borrow that same thing? Or I'm just going to replace it for you. Will it cost me more money to just replace that item I just bought from you or borrowed from you that we're going to swap out now? And we kind of went into it thinking we were making an even exchange. Yeah, that's Um, that's a a good point. Yeah, it's like a dollars to euros thing where you're like, well, (laughs) wait a minute. I just lost some money borrowing that thing. Yeah, right. I I don't know what to say about it. No, and it's a good point. I'd love to get viewfinders, uh, you know, experiences with this too. But you're you're absolutely right because here here's this other little twist and wrinkle in this this whole conversation is the fact that you now may be in a situation where that other clinic, you know, is going, how can they, you know, why, why don't we get it for that cost, right? So so again, they're marking it up, and and I guess the whole thing is predicated, Becky, quite frankly, on 
do you give it at cost, right? So vet clinic A calls requesting you something. Do you give it to them at your cost or do you build in a markup? Me personally, we always just gave it for whatever we paid for, right? I did not want to make money off of trying to help someone in need, a colleague, right? But you, you see, Becky, there might be vet clinics out there that say, well, whatever it is, mark it up 20%, you know, like give them yeah, a discount. <laughs> right. Oh, and I, I've heard that too. A hundred percent. I've heard oh, that too. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, wow. No. So it partially, so they don't know what we're getting it for partially. So we're probably hitting it on the mark partially to cover the time and energy of costs of that employee who just took the request and, and fulfilled it. So I have absolutely seen that too. I don't know if that's bad or not. Yeah, I would love to hear from the viewfinders on that one because, you know, again, like, and I agree, everything Becky said is right. Like, well, we, you know, it takes us time to fill this stuff and to handle all this stuff and do all this stuff, you know, and I get it, right? And there's just inventory carrying cost in general. But uh, yeah, for me, I, yeah, I'm going to give you a colleague at, at cost or whatever. And again, that might uncover some <laughs> pricing practices at the other clinic. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Becky, it, wow, it is, we live in a different world. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next part of that in my head is, do we have the conversation with our drug rep then? Does it end up getting our yeah, rep right. in trouble or our right. inside Good rep point. when they come in and say, hey, I borrowed such and such from so and so? Like, it becomes very personal for our reps. We say, you give it to them for this much as though they're the ones that really get the the okay or the deal or whatever. Right. Um, that's a lot of responsibility on those guys that they know oh, we're giving these guys a really great deal. And and they probably have a justifiable reason. But I think there's sort of an ethical conversation to be had here. There's an ethical consideration when we have these companies that are able and willing to give um, kind of based at their discretion in their pricing uh, that could potentially be unattainable by an organization otherwise. Yeah, I and mean, it's a really good point because you're right. That's the exact next phone call I'm making. If I find out that someone is getting a better price, I'm calling my ISR or inside sales uh, yeah. uh, um, representative to say, hey, you know, why am I not getting this? <laughs> Give me this price, right? And and you're right. That can create some some really... Becky, I'll tell you, I love these conversations because A, I mean, you know, they are real life, but B, there's no like simple, easy answer. And, you know, I think sometimes viewfinders, those are the conversations that we shy away from, but we need to engage more in, right? There's not a right or wrong to this. These are just kind of, I believe what Becky uncovered here is just a little bit of a glimpse inside a system that's not well constructed or well thought out. And so when suddenly it's revealed, you go, oh, yeah, this is broken in 20 different places. So maybe, as Becky says, you can go out and get in front of it. Becky, anything else you want to add to this conversation before? I have another question to ask you. I guess mostly, you know, I always say let's have procedures and let's have um, plans in place and, and, and SOPs to know how we're going to handle these different things. And so I do think it's worth talking about. And if it's a gap in your um, current system, especially online ordering and in stores and things like that lean into these very drug reps that we're talking about because they can give you the most help in the conversation and i would say if you do, if you have a question ask them you know why is it because they probably can give you a, a good reason or a way to potentially achieve a better deal and save your clinic money and then give your staff a raise yeah. And again, if you're an independent clinic, check out verticalvet.com. But yes. Becky, I have a question for you because this is springtime. It's a time of rebirth, renourishment, changing directions, flowering and so forth. And someone that we know viewfinders is flowering in a very bright way. Becky, tell us what is happening now in your life. You're going to make people think I'm pregnant. 
<laughs> it is not. It is not that. So I am so excited and so honored to say that I started today. Well, so when we're recording today, Monday the fifteenth, my really very first day with App State University in their vet tech program, yes. and I am their new practice management coordinator. And so I'll be helping them build their practice management tracks for students to take, and then also the um, their very first uh, external certificate program that would say even if you're not going through the tech program, you'd be able to come in and get a certification as a practice manager or, um, and or practice leader. And we're really excited. Um, I'm really excited to be a part of that team and to be launching with them on this one. Um, so it, it, I'm, I, yeah, it's, it's been a really big day. I'm really excited. Oh, we, I, I am so thrilled for you. And guys, and, and why this is important, and why, you know, obviously Becky does amazing things constantly. This is a big, big deal in her life. But the reason I think this is important for the profession in general is that this is not a small university. In fact, one of my daughters, my younger daughter, goes to Appalachian State University. This is yeah. a 20,000 student big, big school, you know, yeah. big stadium, big football program. I know. You know, it's like a, this is not a small little, you know, community college and, and no disrespect to anything else. But you're know, like, Becky, this is really important for the profession because this lends a different level of credibility. This is a new program. It's within the University of North Carolina, you know, uh, university system, the college system, the same one as UNC Chapel Hill, which is where my other daughter graduated from. And so, Becky, I, I just, I am so proud of you because, again, this is a big school and to have a vet tech program featured so prominently. And my younger daughter, Becky, just so you know, she's on the newspaper. She's a photographer for the, news, the school student newspaper. And I mean, she knew about this program when it was launched here recently. So, I mean, you know, it's, this is like a big deal on so many levels. I just am so proud of you. You, This is the times that I'm really glad we're not on video because you're making me blush and <laughs> I'm over here kicking rocks. And yeah, it was really bittersweet. I, we, everyone knows I was really excited about Gurnick's program and launching it. And when they decided decided at the last minute not to launch the program. I was so disappointed and heartbroken. Um, but what I said to myself is the universe has something even better in mind for me. And so uh, go Mountaineers. We are yeah. uh, even better. So thank you for being my biggest cheerleader. I really appreciate that. Well, I just, I, again, you know, and, and no disrespect to, to Gurnick and others like that. I mean, but it's yeah. so much, you're making, you're going to make so much more profound impact, like at this big university, yeah. right? I know that they got virtual and stuff, but see this viewfinders, I believe this just not not only, as I mentioned, gives legitimacy and credibility to veterinary technicians programs, but this springs out because one thing that you may not be familiar with if you're not from the South is that Appalachian State is known as one of the preeminent uh, education colleges in the Southeastern United States. So it's it's known for like producing some of the best teachers and professors and so forth. That's like what they, that, that's what it was founded on. So it's a phenomenal university campus. And for them to say, hey, we want to take on vet tech, Becky, I think this signals that they're going to be doing great things moving forward. That's what I, that's what I truly believe and hope. 100%. The team there, uh, led by Virginia Corrigan as the program director and Jennifer Sterling as the assistant program director, are just knocking it out of the park trying to do a di something, you know, just do it a little differently and do it with just the best well-being and processes. And, and it's just an amazing program and an amazing opportunity. And it supports what we keep saying about Get your assistants certified. You, you know, you say you don't have enough staff, but like you do, you do have enough technicians. You just have to get them credentialed that you're, you're making them do the work, give them the, the quality of education. And when you have programs like this that are fully online and so accessible and asynchronous, you have the ability to grow your own 
credentialed technicians. And it's so beautiful to see these programs popping up that are doing hybrid and online and distance and flexibility so right. And it is what is going to meet the need in our profession. It's what's going to make it so there are enough credentialed technicians. So I'm honored. Like, I'm totally honored to be a part of this crew. Yep. And guys, if you are a country music fan, like I know many of you are, this is where Luke Combs is from. Oh my so gosh. guys, give some love to the Appalachian State Mountaineers, brand new president of the Veterinary Technician <laughs> Program, <laughs> Becky Mosser RVT. Couldn't be prouder. So guys, if you have any experiences or perspectives on some of these pricing issues and swapping out supplies, I'd love to hear. And Becky, how can they tell us what they've experienced? You guys know where to find us. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder and email us at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right. And check out verticalvet.com if you want to learn more about group purchasing organization stuffs. And definitely check out Appalachian State Mountaineers because that is going to be a, a phenomenal university program. So congratulations to Becky. And guys, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.